Section 2 of The Faithful Covenanter by Richard Sipps. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Having now thus unfolded these terms, let us see what we may draw from thence for our use and comfort. 1. First then, if by these trials we find that God be not, or have not been, our God, alas, let us never rest till we make it good that God is our God. For what if we have all things, if we have not God with all things? All other things are but streams, God is the fountain. If we have not the spring, what will become of us at last? Ahitophel had much wit and policy, but he had not God for his God. Ahab had power and strength, but he had not God for his God. Saul had a kingdom, but he had not God for his God. Herod had eloquence, but he had not God for his God. Judas was an apostle, a great professor, but he had not God for his God. What became of all these? Wit they had, strength they had, honour they had, friends they had, but they had not God, and therefore a miserable end they made. What miserable creatures are all such when they shall say, Friends have forsaken me, wealth hath forsaken me, and health hath forsaken me. Terrors lay hold upon me, the wrath of God hath overtaken me. But they cannot say, God is my God. Oh, such are in a miserable case, in a fearful estate indeed. Nay, suppose they have all these, suppose they could say that they have a world of riches, they have inheritances, they have friends, etc., yet if they cannot say, God is my God, all is vanity. The whole man is this, to have God to be our God. This is the whole man, to fear God and keep his commandments, Ecclesiastes 12.13. If a man have all the world, and have not God for his God, all is but vanity and vexation of spirit. Never rest, therefore, till we can prove ourselves to be in the covenant of grace, till we can say, God is my God. But secondly, when we have found God to be our God, then make this use of it, a use of resolution. Is God my God? Then I will resolve to please him, though all creatures be against me. This was their resolution in Micah 4.5. Every nation walketh in the name of his God, but we will walk in the name of the Lord our God for ever and ever. Resolve with Joshua and others to please God, whosoever saith the contrary. To walk after the commandments of God, whatsoever others do or say. In all discouragements, from men or devils, let us set this as a buckler, God is my God. Arm ourselves with resolution against all fears and threatenings of men, of men of terror, against the arm of flesh. They say they will do this and this, I, but God is my God. All that they do, they must do in his strength. Arm ourselves with this against the power and gates of hell. Fear not the devil. If we fear man or devil more than God, fear them, so as to do anything to displease God, we make them God. If our conscience rightly tells us that what is to be done by us is the will and command of God, and that herein I serve God, we need not fear any opposer, but oppose this as an armour of proof against all creatures, against all discouragements whatsoever. And certainly experience telleth us, and approveth it to be true, that nothing can dismay a man that doth things in conscience to God, and knows God to bear him out in it, though not from danger in this world, and yet for the most part he doth that too. Those that are the stoutest men for God are oftentimes most safe, always freed from inward dejection, yet God disposeth of it, so as that he that keeps a good conscience shall always be a king or rule over the world, and therein he performs his promise. Whatever discouragements he endureth outwardly, yet no discouragement can cast down the soul that looks to God.
In his conscience he knows that he takes God to be his, that he serveth him, and that it shall go well with him at last, that God will be all-sufficient to him, and this raiseth him above all, makes him rule and reign over his enemies, and be a terror to those that do him hurt. 3. Again, if God be our God, then let this stop all base and covetous desires after earthly things. If God be our portion, why should we grapple too much after the world then? What need we crack our consciences and break our peace for the muck of the world? Is not God our portion? Is he not rich enough? Is not he the Lord of heaven and earth? Hath not he promised that he will not fail us nor forsake us? I am thy exceeding great reward, saith God to Abraham. Is not this enough? What doth Satan for us when he getteth us to crack our consciences by grippleness? Footnote, that is gripingness, i.e. greed, rapacity. G. End footnote. After earthly things. He promiseth, Thou shalt have this and that, but I will take God from thee, as he did Adam in paradise. Thou shalt have an apple, but thou shalt lose thy God. All his solicitations to base and earthly courses tend to nothing else but to take God from us. Now when God is our God, and he hath promised to be our portion, let it be sufficient for us. Let us not, for the displeasing of him, take any condition from Satan or the world upon any terms. 4. Again, if so be we know this for a truth that God is our God, then let it be a use of exhortation to stir us up to keep and maintain and cherish acquaintance and familiarity with him. As it is in Job 22.21, acquaint thyself with God. If we be acquainted with him now, he will be acquainted with us in time of sorrow, in the hour of death. Therefore cherish acquaintance with him. Wheresoever we may meet with God, be there much. Be much in hearing, in receiving the sacrament, in praying to him and making our suits known to him in all our necessities. Be much in the society of saints, God hath promised to be there. Therefore cherish the society of all that are good. What a friendly course doth God take with us. He seeks for our acquaintance, and therefore giveth us his ordinances, the word and sacraments, sendeth his messengers, the good motions of his spirit, to our hearts, to leave the world and vanities of it, to make us out of love with bad courses, and join with him in friendship and familiarity. Oh, let us make use of these blessed means, check not these good motions, but yield unto them, and obey them, grieve them not. The Spirit is sent to make God and us friends who were enemies. Grieve not the Spirit, entertain his motions, that we may be acquainted with God. But do we so? Truly, no. Indeed, if God will be our God to save us, and let us live in our swearing and lying and deceiving, and in other base courses, we would be content with him upon these terms, but to be our God, so that we must serve him, and love him, and fear him, and joy in him above all, and have nothing in the world without his favour, then let him take his favour to himself, we will have none of it. Though men speak it not with their mouths to the world, yet the inward speech of their hearts is to this purpose. If we must be the people of God upon these terms, to renounce our pleasures and profits, let him be a God to whom he will for us. If he will save us, then welcome his favour. We will be glad of his acquaintance, otherwise we will have none of it. What is the speech of the world but this? These men, when they shall at the day of judgment claim acquaintance with God and say, Lord, Lord, open to us, we have known thee in the streets, etc., what will God say? Depart from me, you workers of iniquity, I know you not. Matthew 25, 41. 
You were acquainted with me indeed outwardly in the ministry of my word, but you kept not an inward and spiritual familiarity with me in my ordinances. You used not the society of the saints, you entertained not the motions of my spirit which I sent to you, to leave your ill courses, I know you not. This shall be the answer to such wretched persons. 5. Lastly, if by these comfortable signs we find God to be our God, then here is a spring of comfort opened to a Christian. If God be mine, then all that he hath is mine. He is my father, he is my husband, he is my rock. His goodness, his wisdom, his providence, his mercy, whatsoever he hath is mine. If we had any man in the world that had all wisdom in him, and all the strength of the world, and all goodness, and all love in him, and all this for us, what an excellent creature were this! God hath all this, and a Christian that hath God for his God hath all this and much more, for whatsoever is in the Creator is much more in him. Hereupon cometh all those styles and sweet names that God hath taken upon him in the Scripture, because he would have us to know that all comforts are together in him. The names of all the creatures that are comfortable, God hath been pleased to take upon him to show us what a God he is. He is water to refresh us, a sun to comfort us, a shield to keep evil from us, a rock to support us, chambers to cover us in the time of danger, and such like. And in every creature God hath left footsteps and beams of himself, that man, being an understanding creature, might find out God in them. In water there is a beam of his refreshing power, in the sun a beam of his cherishing power, and the like. And when we receive comfort from the creature which hath but a drop, a beam of his goodness, we should consider how good God himself is. If this be so comfortable, what is God that is my God? Here we use the creatures to refresh us, and God deriveth his goodness usually to us by them. What will he be to us in heaven when he will be all in all? And whatsoever comfort God hath, Christ hath, because God and Christ join together for our good. For God is in Christ reconciling the world to himself, 2 Corinthians 5.19, and if God be ours, Christ is ours, and if God and Christ be ours, all things are ours, because all things are God's. Angels are ours, cherubims are ours, because God is ours. It is a point of wondrous comfort. A poor Christian, when he has nothing to trust to, he may perhaps say sometime that he hath no friend in the world, and he hath many enemies. Aye, but he hath a God to go to. If he have not the beam, yet he hath the sun. If he have not the stream, yet he hath the fountain. If he have not particular benefits that others have, yet he hath better. Whatsoever portion he have in the world, he hath a rich portion, for God is his portion. God is my portion, saith the church in the third of Lamentations, verse 21, therefore will I hope in him. The poor church had nothing else in the world to comfort it, for it was in captivity, in the midst of enemies, had no wealth, nor friends, nor anything. Yea, but God is my portion, saith my soul, and therefore God being mine, in him I have friends, and wealth, and pleasure, and all whatsoever. And so hath every Christian's soul, and never more than when the creature and the comfort of it is taken away. He never finds God more his God than when he is deprived of those means that usually derive comfort to him. For then God immediately cometh to the soul and comforteth him. And the disposition of a true Christian is at those times to take advantage by grace, to get nearer to God, to cling faster to him, to solace himself more in him as his portion. What a spring of comfort is here arising to a Christian in all estates. If God be his God, then he may claim him upon all occasions and at all times, as the saints in the scripture have done. 
David, Jehoshaphat, and all the saints, what do they allege in their prayers to God? Thou art our God, we are thy people, the sheep of thy pasture, the vine that thy right hand hath planted, the Lord is my shepherd, etc. What made the disciples, when they were ready to be drowned, to cry out, Master, save us, but because they knew that they were servants in covenant, that he was their master. We should use this as a plea to God in all the calamities of the church. We are thine, thou art ours. Doubtless thou art our God, saith the church, though Abraham have forgotten, and Israel be ignorant of us. Isaiah 63.16 It is a point of spiritual wisdom when we know we are in covenant with God to improve it as an argument to persuade God to help us in any strait. I am thine, Lord, save me, saith David. Psalm 119.94 Thou art my God, Lord, look to me, protect me, direct me, ease me, receive my soul. This is a plea that obtaineth anything of God in all extremities whatsoever. I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed after thee, etc. I come now to the qualities of this covenant, and before I speak in particular of them, I beseech you observe one thing, which I will but touch to make an entrance to that which follows, from the manner of setting down the covenant. It is not here set down as it is in other places of Scripture. I will be thy God, and thou shalt be my people, but here is only the first part, the main of the covenant of grace recited, I will be thy God. Why doth he not say too, Thou shalt take me for thy God? Because where the first is, he ever works the second. Our part depends upon his. All our grace that we have to answer the covenant is by reflection from God. He chooseth us, and then we choose him. He knoweth us, and therefore we come to know him. He loveth us first, and then we love him. He singleth us out to be a peculiar people, and we single out him above all things to be our portion. Whom have I in heaven but thee? Psalm 73 verse 25. It is, therefore, to come to the first quality, a free covenant. It cometh from God merely of grace. It is of grace that he would enter into any terms of agreement with us. It is of grace that he would send Christ to die to be the foundation of the covenant. It is of grace that he giveth us hearts to take him for our God, to depend upon him, to love him, to serve him, etc. All is of grace, and all cometh from him. So you see that it is a free covenant. That is the first quality. Again, secondly, it is a sure, a certain covenant. I will establish my covenant. But in whom is it established? How cometh it to be sure? It is established in Christ, the mediator of the covenant, in the Messiah. For in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Genesis 12.3 That is the fundamental promise. All other promises, the promise of the land of Canaan, the promise of the multiplying his seed as the stars of heaven, they were all but accessory. This is the grand promise, in thy seed, in Christ, shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. So it is a sure covenant, because it is established in the Messiah, Christ, God-man. And Christ, being God and man, is fit to be the foundation of the covenant between God and man, for he is a friend to both parties. As man he will do all that is helpful for man, and as God he will do nothing that may derogate from God. And so, being God and being God and man, he brings God and man together comfortably and sweetly, and keepeth them together in a sure and firm agreement. For, first of all, he takes away the cause of division that was between God and us, because by his sacrifice and obedience he did satisfy God's wrath, and that being satisfied, God and us are at peace and friendship. 
For God, till then, though he be a fountain of goodness, yet he was a fountain sealed. The fountain was stopped by sin, but when there is satisfaction made by Christ, and we believing on him, the satisfaction of Christ is made ours. It is a sure covenant, because it is established in Christ, the blessed seed. And as it is a sure covenant, so thirdly it is an everlasting covenant. I will make an everlasting covenant with thee. So it is set down here. Everlasting in these respects, for when we are in Christ and made one with him by faith, he having satisfied God's wrath for us and made him peaceable, then God is become our father, and he is an everlasting father. His love to us in Christ is like himself, immutable. For even as Christ, when he took upon him our nature, he made an everlasting covenant with our nature, married our nature to himself forever, and never layeth aside his human nature, so he will never lay aside his mystical body, his church. As Christ is God-man forever, so mystical Christ, the church, is his body forever. As Christ will not lose his natural, so he will not lose his mystical body. I will marry thee to myself forever, saith God in the prophet. So then it is everlasting in respect of God, he being immutable. I am God, saith he, and I change not, Malachi 3.6, and Christ, the foundation of the covenant, is everlasting. And then again, it is everlasting in regard of us, because if we be not wanting to ourselves, we shall be forever more in grace here and in glory forever. The fruits of grace in us, that is the work of the Spirit, it is everlasting. For howsoever the graces we have be but the firstfruits of the Spirit, yet our inward man grows more and more, till grace end in glory, till the firstfruits end in harvest, till the foundation be accomplished in the building. God never takes away his hand from his own work. Everlasting also in regard of the body of Christians. God makes a covenant with one, and when they are gone with others, always God will have some in covenant with him. He will have some to be a God to when we are gone, so long as the world continueth. So that we see it is in every respect an everlasting covenant. God is everlasting, Christ is everlasting, the graces of the Spirit are everlasting. When we are dead, he will be a God unto us, as it is said, I am the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob, their God when they were dead. He is the God of our dust, of our dead bodies. He will raise them up, for they are bodies in covenant with him. I am the God of whole Abraham, and not of a peace. Therefore his body shall rise again. It is an everlasting covenant. That is the third quality. Lastly, it is a peculiar covenant. I will be thy God, and the God of thy seed. All are not the children of Abraham, but they that are of the faith of Abraham. God is in covenant only with those that answer him, that take him for their God, that are a peculiar people. It is not glorying in the flesh, but there must be somewhat wrought, that is peculiar, before we can be assured we are of Abraham's seed and in covenant with God. And we may know that we are God's peculiar by some peculiar thing that we do. What peculiar thing canst thou do? to speak a little of that by the way. Thou lovest and art kind, but, saith Christ, what peculiar thing canst thou do? A heathen man may be kind and loving, but canst thou overcome revenge? Canst thou spare and do good to thine enemies? Canst thou trust in God when all means fail? What is the power of the Spirit in thee? Doth it triumph in thee over thy natural corruption? Canst thou do as Abraham did? He left all at God's command. Canst thou do that, if need should be? Canst thou leave children, and wife, and life, and all at God's command? Canst thou sacrifice Isaac as he did? 
Canst thou more trust in the promise of God than in the dearest thing in the world, yea, than in thy own feeling of grace? Whatsoever is not God, canst thou be content to be without? Canst thou rely upon God when he appeared to be an angry God? Abraham knew that there was more comfort in the promise than in Isaac. If thou have comfort in the promise more than in anything else, then thou art one of Abraham's seed, thou hast sacrificed thy Isaac. Never talk of Abraham else. Never think that thy portion is great in God. Be what thou wilt by profession, if there be no particular thing in thee which is not in a natural man. If thou art covetous, as gripple, footnote, that is greedy, rapacious, g, end footnote, for the world, as very a drudge in thy calling, as licentious in thy course as carnal men are, thou art none of God's peculiar ones, thou art none of Abraham's seed. God's people have somewhat peculiar that the world hath not. It is a peculiar covenant. Thus you see the qualities of this covenant. It is a free covenant, a sure covenant, established in the blessed seed, the Messiah. It is an everlasting covenant, and it is a peculiar covenant. To make some use of this in a word, here then, you see, is another spring of blessed comfort open to a Christian. If he findeth God, though his assurance be little, to be his God in regard of peculiar favours, let him remember it is an everlasting favour. His love is everlasting. The fountain is everlasting. The graces of the Spirit are an everlasting spring, always issuing from Christ our head. Grace is never drawn dry in him. God is our God to death, in death and forever. All things in the world will fail us, friends will fail us, all comforts will fail us, life will fail us ere long, but this is an everlasting covenant which will not fail. It is a point of comfort in the loss of friends, in the loss of a state in this world. If I lose friends, yet I cannot lose God. If he be mine, he is mine forever, a friend now and a friend ever, my portion now and my portion forever. Whatsoever God takes away, he never takes away himself." and in him I have all that is taken away. All the comfort that he doth still derive to me by friends, he resumeth to himself. It is not perished with the party. He can immediately by himself convey whatsoever comfort was derived to me by others. He is God all-sufficient, that is, but the case all the world were taken away, not only friends, but the sun, the light, the earth, food and raiment, all, as it shall be at the day of judgment, if all be taken away, Yet I have him, yet I have him that made all, that supporteth all. Cannot he do all in a more excellent manner? Is he not sufficient, though I lose all things else? It is a point of wondrous comfort. God knew it well enough. Therefore he laboreth to establish the heart of the father of the faithful, good Abraham, here with this instead of all. I am God all-sufficient, and I will be thy God. Again, if this be so that God will be a God to us forever, let us comfort ourselves hence in all the unfaithful dealings of men. They are friends today and enemies tomorrow, but God is my God, and whom he loveth he loveth to the end. John 13.1 An ingenious spirit certainly esteemeth it the greatest cross in the world, and if anything will wet a man to heaven, this is one, that those whom he trusteth will prove false, and at length deceive him. Man is but man, in the balance he is lighter than vanity, but he that is in covenant with God, his promise and love and faithfulness never faileth. A Christian in all the breaches of this world hath this comfort, that he hath a sure God to trust to, he that hath not God to trust to, and is unfaithfully dealt with all in the world, what a wretched man is he! 
This was David's comfort. When he was beset with calamities and miseries, all took from him, and the people were ready to stone him, he trusted in the Lord his God. I come to the extent of it. To thee, and to thy seed after thee. Why doth he make the covenant with his seed as well as with himself? I answer, we apprehend favours and curses more in our seed oftentimes than in ourselves, and it will humble a man to see calamities on his posterity more than on himself, and a man more rejoiceth to see the flourishing of his seed than of himself. It is said that Josiah did die in peace, though he died a bloody death, because he saw not the ruin of his house and family, which was worse than death. God saw how Abraham apprehended and valued seed when he said, What wilt thou give me, since I am childless? Genesis 15.2 Therefore God, intending a comfortable enlargement of the covenant of grace to Abraham, extends it to his seed. I will be the God of thy seed. It is a great blessing for God to be the God of our seed. It is alluded to by St. Peter in the New Testament. The promise is made to you and to your children, Acts 2.39. But what if they have not baptism, the seal of the covenant? That doth not prejudice their salvation. God hath appointed the sacraments to be seals for us, not for himself. He himself keepeth his covenant, whether we have the seal or no, so long as we neglect it not. Therefore we must not think if a child die before the sacrament of baptism that God will not keep his covenant. They have the sanctity, the holiness of the covenant. You know what David said of his child, I shall go to it, but it shall not return to me, and yet it died before it was circumcised. You know they were forty years in the wilderness and were not circumcised. Therefore the sacrament is not of absolute necessity to salvation. So he is the God of our children from the conception and birth. But how God can be the God of our children when they are born in corruption, children of wrath? Can they be the children of wrath and the children of God, both at one time? I answer yes, both at one time, for even as in civil matters in our city here, a man may be a freeman of the city and yet born lame or leprous or with some contagious disease. This hindereth not his freedom. So the children of a believing father and mother may be freemen in the city of God, and in the covenant of grace, and yet be tainted with original sin that overspreadeth the powers of the soul notwithstanding. Whence we see a ground of baptizing infants because they are in the covenant. To whom the covenant belongs, the seal of it belongs, but to infants the covenant belongs. Therefore the seal of it, baptism, belongeth to them. If circumcision belongeth to them, then baptism doth, but circumcision belonged to them. For the eighth day they were circumcised, therefore baptism belongeth to them. Anabaptistical spirits would not have children baptized if they believe not. Why then were the children of the Jews circumcised? They were circumcised because they were in covenant, and is not the covenant of grace enlarged? Wherein doth the new covenant differ from the old, but, among many other things, in the enlargement of it? There is now a new people, the Gentiles, in covenant that were not before, new priests, new sacrifices, new sacraments. All is new in the covenant of grace. If all be enlarged in the covenant, why should we deny the seal of the covenant to them in the new, that had it in the old, even children? It is senseless. The scripture, to meet with such, applieth baptism to them, and the circumcision to us, to show that in the covenant of grace they are all one in effect. 1 Corinthians 10.2 All they were baptized under the cloud. And St. Paul saith, Colossians 2.11 We are circumcised with circumcision without hands. We are circumcised, and they were baptized, to show, I say, that all are one in Christ. 
Christ is all one, yesterday, today, and the same forever. Hebrews 13.8 Yesterday to them that were under the law, and today to us under the gospel, and forever to posterity. And therefore, if children had interest in Christ then, so they have now. This is clear and undeniable. God is the God of our children. This should be an encouragement to parents to be good, if not for love of themselves and their own souls, yet for their children and posterity's sake, that God may do good to their children for them. They cannot deserve worse of their children than to be naught themselves. How many examples are there in Scripture that God plagued and punished the children for the father's sins? Though in the main matter, he will not do it sometimes because he is gracious and good. He will be good to the children, though their parents be naught, as Joshua and Caleb came into Canaan, though their parents were rebels and died in the wilderness. Yet it is a discomfortable thing. When parents are naught, they may look that God should punish their sin in their children. There is a great deal of care taken by carnal parents here in the city, and everywhere too, but in the city especially, by covetousness, a reigning sin. They will not make God to be their God, but the wedge of gold to be their God. They labour to make their children great. If they can leave them rich men, great men in a parish, to bear office, to come to honour, that is their main endeavour. For this they drudge and neglect heaven and happiness. But alas, what is this? Thou mayest leave them much goods and the vengeance of God with them. Thou mayest leave them much wealth and it may be a snare to them. It were better thou hadst left them nothing. Look into the state of the city. Those that are best able in the city, do they not rise of nothing? And they that have been the greatest labourers for all these outward things, that they may call their lands after their own names, Psalm 49.11, God hath blown upon them, and all hath come to naught in a short time, because they have not made God their portion. Of all things parents should labour to leave them God for their God, to leave them in covenant with him, lay up prayers in heaven for them, lay the foundation there, sow prayers there, that they may be effectual for them when you are gone. And this likewise should be a comfort to poor Christians that have not much to leave their children, I can leave my child nothing, but I shall leave him in covenant with God, for God is my God, and always hath been, and ever will be. He will be the God of my seed. I shall leave him God's blessing, and a little well-gotten goods that the righteous hath is better than a great deal ill-gotten. God addeth no sorrow with that. There is no fearful expectation another day, as there is of that which is ill-gotten, when the father and child shall meet in hell and curse one another. When the son shall say to the father, You ensnared yourself to make me happy, and that turned to my ruin. This shall make wicked wretches curse one another one day. A poor Christian cannot say he hath riches to leave his children, yet he can say God is my God, and I am sure he will be their God. Though I have but little to leave them else, I shall leave them God's blessing. Good parents may hope for a blessing upon their children, because God is their God and the God of their seed. For the sacrament, a word... The sacrament is a seal of this covenant, that God is our God in Christ, and we are his people. God to his word addeth seals to help our faith. What a good God is this! How willing is he to have us believe him! One would think that a word from him, a promise, were enough. But to his promise he addeth a covenant. One would think a covenant were enough, but to that he addeth seals, and to them an oath too. I have sworn to David my servant. Psalm 89 verse 3. 
thus he stoops to all conditions of men, he condescendeth so far to use all these means that he may secure us. You know that a promise secures us, if it be from one that is an honest man. We say that we are sure to have it because of his promise, but when we have his covenant, then we are assured more because there is somewhat drawn. Now we have God's covenant and his seal, the sacrament, and then his oath. If we will take him for our God and renounce our wicked courses, we shall lose nothing by it. We shall part with nothing for God, but we shall have it supplied in him. If we lose honor, wealth, or pleasure, we shall have it abundantly in him. What do we hear in the sacrament? Do we come only to receive his love to us? No, we make a covenant with God in the sacrament that he shall be our God, and we promise by his grace to lead new lives henceforth. We have made a covenant with God at first in baptism, now we renew it in taking the sacrament, and it is fit for if he renew his covenant oft to us in love to be ours, we should renew ours oft with him to take him to be our God. Seven times in Genesis he renewed his covenant to Abraham, because he would have him trust what he said. Then we should seven times, that is, oft, come to the sacrament and renew our covenant with him, to take him for our God, and remember what it is to sin after receiving the sacrament. Sins against conscience break off a covenant renewed. Sin hath an aggravation now. You that mean to receive, if you sin willingly after, it were better you had not received. What makes adultery worse than fornication? Saith Malachi, it was the wife of thy covenant. Chapter 2 verse 14. Adultery breaks the covenant of marriage. It is worse than fornication where there is not a covenant. So you have made a covenant with God in your baptism, and now you come to renew it. If you sin now, it is an aggravation of the sin. It is adultery, it is disloyalty against God. Remember, therefore, that we do not only take here God's kindness sealed in the sacrament, but we re-promise back again to lead new lives. All must resolve by his grace to obey him henceforth, and to take him for our God. The way, therefore, will be to put this into the condition of your promise now, and prayer after. Lord, I have promised this, but thou knowest I cannot perform the promise I have made, and the condition thou requirest of myself. But in the covenant of grace thou hast said, that thou wilt make good the condition. Thou hast promised to give the Spirit to them that ask him. Luke 11.13 Thou hast promised to circumcise my heart. Colossians 2.11 Thou hast promised to teach me. Psalm 32.8 Thou hast promised to delight over me for good. Thou hast promised to wash me with clean water. Ezekiel 36.25 Thou hast promised to put thy fear in my heart. Jeremiah 32.40 Thou hast promised to write thy law in the affections. Jeremiah 31.33 I would fear thee, and love thee, and trust in thee, and delight in thee. Thou knowest I cannot fulfill the conditions. Thou art able and willing. Thou art as able to make me do these things as to command me to do them. Thus we should desire God to give the grace that he requires in the use of the means, for that must not be neglected. We must attend upon the ordinances, use the parts that are given us, and in that to him that hath shall be given. Matthew 13.12 Thou shalt not need any necessary good to bring thee to heaven if thou wilt claim the promise of the covenant in the use of means. We shall want degrees perhaps, but in the covenant of grace it is not degrees that brings us to heaven, but truth. Now, in our renewing the covenant with God, let not that hinder us from coming to the sacrament, but come cheerfully, and know that he that hath made the covenant with thee to be thy God, and to give thee all particular grace, 
in the use of all good means, will perform it. He will perform it if we come in sincerity of heart, if we come to daub with God, and after to follow our sinful courses, this is to mock God. This made David take it to heart so much that his familiar friend, that ate at his table, lift up his heel against me. Psalm 41.9 May not God complain of us, that we come to the communion to his table with false Judas hearts and afterwards betray him? He may say, My familiar friends that came and ate with me, yet they have lift up their heel against me, they are rebellious, they will leave no sin that before they were enthralled to. So, instead of a blessing, we bring a curse upon us, a just reward of our disloyalty. O oh, remember that it is a great aggravation of sin after the sacrament. I speak not this to discourage any, but to encourage us rather. If we come with sincere hearts and with resolution to please God, we may look for all the promises from God. All that he hath promised he is ready to perform. If we in faith can allege the promise, Lord, remember thy promise, wherein thou hast caused thy servant to put his trust. Psalm 119, verse 49. End of section 2. End of the Faithful Covenanter by Richard Sibbs.